Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe and the only podcast growing at the speed of Formula One. We are in episode 23. I am your host, Matt Thoteel. Joined, as always, are my co-hosts, Sam D.R. Russell, Russell and Stefano Steph Sedano. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Good to be back. Yeah, Matt, I can't wait for this action-packed Jordan number podcast. Yep, <clears throat> Jordan number podcast. Uh, we're It's good to be back. Uh, you know, week two of the triple header. We are recapping the Dutch Grand Prix from Zandvoort and also previewing Monza upcoming this weekend. It's been just an absolute, we came out of the summer break and thank God we had that break because it has just been back to back to back, uh, literally back to back to back. Uh, Sam and I are also back. We are back from Viva Las Vegas, scoping out the Formula One circuit for 2023 next November. And we also, Stefano, we have to tell you something interesting. We were able to drive Ferraris and take a picture with the Formula One Michael Schumacher F1 car this past weekend in Miami. What do you think about that? Man, Sam put it best when he said I should take a red-eye flight last week to Vegas with you guys and I am regretting not doing that. Just yeah. just just driving the Ferraris around. Which ones did you drive by the way? The F uh it was the 430 and it was F1 inspired and I asked the guy what made it and what made it F1 inspired and he said it has the same suspension and balance as F1 yeah. cars. Yeah, it sounds like you drove the F430 Scoot or the Challenger or something like that. Yep. The F430 chassis 
like that whole line of cars, like the the Spider and the Modena and all those. Those are my favorite Ferraris that they put out in a while. So I am extremely jealous. How do so, you guys get on on the track? Yeah. So to put things into perspective, it was they were very easy to drive in a sense, but when you compare it to how the pros drive it, so Charles Leclerc, I think his fastest lap around the track was 54 seconds somewhere around there matt yep and i think matt was somewhere around a minute five and i was somewhere around minute six so uh to put into perspective how good those guys are around track i mean i just couldn't imagine picking up 10 seconds um on a track that took us a minute to get around so it was it was very cool but it was like wow these guys are good yeah it was also you know i think that if you gave us like two more times going out there we would have clearly improved our time and gone sub 60. i think it was just once we get used to the track i think we're just never used to taking turns and corners that fast and just trusting that the car is going to have grip around some of those corners and um also probably not even being able to extract the maximum pace on the streets i think that was our two biggest problems it must have it must have been uh, we got four, I think, uh, so seven, no, six laps, seven in? laps, seven laps. in. yeah, it must've been what our buddy, uh, Nick Latifi feels like every Sunday against like a Max Verstappen. Yeah. That's the only way I can compare it. Yeah. Like just, I mean, I think we both beat LeBron James though. So at least that was kind of cool. That was a win. Yeah. Win for us. Um, did you guys feel afterwards? Did you guys like feel nauseous or anything like that? No, not at all. No, not at all. Wow. I was more nauseous around the safety car taking us around the yeah, first the, time. The safety yeah. car guy was flying in his he Porsche. Flew. He yeah. probably did a faster lap. When you're when you're driving around a track versus when you're a passenger is two totally different feelings because you can't like brace yourself properly for like when your driver is taking turns and whatnot. It's Stephano, definitely... you know what the other really difficult part of driving around the track was was actually like I thought it was going to be much easier to like cut in and take like I, we were very good the instructor was great at telling you like where to break and in a straight line and I just couldn't somehow like get my arms to like lock the wheel and actually turn so that way I could cut back into the corner like I was just kind of like half turning and I wasn't like able to take like a really hard tight turn into some of those so overall I'd say it was an awesome experience we were able to, you know, extract a lot of pace in the car. Um, but man, those guys are freaks to think that we were also like in an enclosed Ferrari with like actual treaded tires and not even slicks. These guys are absolute freaks. Um, we did use the power shifters. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like we were on, we were going slower. Like these guys, when you put the slick tires on, they're going faster. They're open air. They don't even have an instructor next to them. It's just, it's night and day. But you'll be proud of us. We did use the paddles. We didn't go automatic. Hell yeah! This only serves to solidify a point that I think we had talked about a while ago. That all three of us need to get on track somewhere soon. Yep, we do. All all three of us do need to get on track. We need to do like a in the point special where we're like carding or something like that. So, Stefano, we did do karting afterwards, um, and Sam and I both qualified uh, front and second row of the grid. I was P3, Sam was P1, and I was chasing down um, the the leader, the P1 leader. I went into turn one, and I got absolutely T-boned, sent into the wall, damaged my car. It was so much controversy. It felt a little bit like what happened at Zanvoort this weekend, almost like somebody was calling in a favor and seeing you know hey how can we get this guy out of p2 neutralize the race um the car didn't work the same ended up in sixth so i had an authentic karting experience this weekend mega shot tin, tin foil hat wears 
uh, yeah. nearby. It sounds but like enough about enough about me and Sam racing around the track. Let's get to the Dutch Grand Prix this weekend. Max Verstappen, another consecutive win. Dominant performance from him it was look shaping up to be like a pretty interesting race because of the tire offset with Mercedes and Red Bull. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat waiting for um, Lewis to kind of be leading the race when Max had to go in for his inevitable second stop and come back out on the hards and try and chase down Lewis Hamilton. Um, but unfortunately, we got an AlphaTauri that had a really bizarre outcome on track. And I know, Sam, you've been all over this one this weekend. Um, for those that didn't watch, around lap 45, Yuki pitted, came back out on, I think it was hard tires. He felt that there was something off with his left rear, said that the tires weren't fitted, stopped on track, unbuckled the seatbelt, stopped the car. Then they said the, the data was fine, the data was fine. He got back in, started the car back up, went around the track they pitted him put the seatbelts back on him. it was really weird in the pit stop they put him on for softs around lap 47 of 72 and then he went back out and within like three turns his engine they said stop the car stop the car and he had to pull off to close to a service road called out a vsc um do we ever get video evidence of him actually taking a seatbelt off the first time i don't think there were camera angles that that could even have even showed it yeah, weird because I didn't see that, and I don't think it happened. Well, I mean, they did something to him—his his belts in the car—and everyone on the on the grid is is kind of talking like that. What do you what are you thinking, Sam? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to put a tinfoil hat on or anything, but I think that Christian Horner and his crew of strategists called in a favor to AlphaTauri, and I don't care if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, a crazy person. That's what I think happened. Um, and I think one of the smoking guns that kind of proves that they sent Yuki back out on the track with no intention of him trying to finish the race is them putting hard tires on him with like almost 30 laps to go. There was no chance. I mean, so, excuse me, soft tires. There's no way he was getting to the finish in those soft tires, no matter how you slice it up. They knew he was going to go back out there and stop. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't care how many times they deny it. Uh, they will not change my mind. I'm convinced they sent him back out there with the intention to stop. And whether it was called in from Horner or not, it directly affected the outcome of the race. Screwed over Lewis Hamilton in his own words. It, um, it, it jammed up, it jammed them up. Um, you know, I think it was stuffed them up, whatever. It was a clear, it was a clear rig job in my opinion. And the FIA won't do anything about it. Um, but it is what it is. So, Sam, let me ask you this, though. All right, call him a favor. Why even bring him back in? He's already stopped in almost the identical place he stopped the second time. Yeah, that's, that's, it was that's inevitably going to be called a VSC when he first stopped on track. Why wouldn't, if they really want to, why wouldn't AlphaTauri just come on the headset and be like, Yuki, stop the car, like, get out? Why would they have him come back in? Then put new tires because back. Okay. Instead that's, of that's, back out, then yeah. I'll stop again. That's they fair. That's a that's a fair question. And my answer to that is that at that point they hadn't decided they were gonna do it. It didn't hit him yet. And then when he came back in, they realized, well, his his race is kind of over. Let's just send him back out and stop again. I think <sighs> they I think they didn't make him stop because I think they may have been worried about picking up a penalty for uh, not fitting the tires properly, even though that wasn't actually what happened. 
I think that that probably crossed their mind too. I mean, to be honest with you guys, like, I don't even think it really made a difference. I don't don't think it made a difference whatsoever. I think it it didn't matter um, at all because the the thing that mattered the most was Bottas at the end getting the, pulling out the actual safety car. I I mean, Sam, it was very, I'm not going to sit there and tell you it wasn't like odd. It was incredibly odd. It was incredibly odd. Matt, it kind of did make a difference though because because there's a chance that Hamilton would have caught Max before the Bottas DNF. Right, and then he would have taken over Max and then he would have DNF, and then they would have gone back out, and they would have done it all then over it, again. The, then, he, then he probably pits for softs in that situation. And so does Max. But he's got track position, and they both are on softs. So it's a way to story. When he still tra- screwed it up. Mercedes still screwed it up. When he had track position in the restart, why didn't they pit him for softs? They still screwed that up. Yeah, I agree. So like my point, and I think even Toto said, like, if we did pit him and we gave up track position or if we had track position with softs, it was like we were going to be overtaken by Verstappen either way. I mean, I'm with you. It was incredibly bizarre what AlphaTauri did, like utterly and completely bizarre. I mean, yeah. to think like, yeah, the, were the softs probably going to last? I don't know, but it was 25 laps. Max did they 18 laps. Come on, they weren't. I mean, I Max did 18 laps on softs with high fuel loads. They were going to do 25. It was their only chance of getting back into the points because they had to do Max double points. Chapin, dude. We're talking about Yuki Tsunoda. Like, there's no way he's going to be able to make those tires last even remotely close as Max would. I mean, that was their best chance, though. Like, I get it, but like them to make up all those positions, they were never going to do it on hards. So, to me, it would have been weirder if they put him back on hards and went back out. Like, he's never going to clear that time gap on hards or mediums. His best chance is softs, and maybe they're going to exactly, drop Matt. Off. So why don't we just put him on softs and send him back out and get him to stop? I don't well, know, man. The whole thing, the whole thing was really weird, but you know, I think that it's wrong to label incompetence and just general mishandling of a situation as a conspiracy. Uh, Alpha Tauri were clearly, clearly screwed something up and Sonoda definitely misdiagnosed his car uh, when he said that there was uh, tire fitment issues. I think it turned out to be the diff on his car was, I think, broken at the time because you can definitely hear something wrong with the car as he pulls away on his second pit stop. Let but, me ask you this, Sam. Do you are you going to come on air and con, and condone the Hamilton fans on Twitter berating Hannah Schmidt? Yes, the, I'm the fine with it. I'm fine with it. Just because she's a woman doesn't mean she's immune to criticism. I will not. Come on I, will not I will so not denounce that. You on air are justifying hate speech towards a. a I mean, woman I didn't see the, any. I didn't see any. I mean, that's speech. what's going on on Twitter. I didn't see any misogynistic hate huh? speech. If you want to yeah. show me that, then yeah, I'll denounce that. I didn't see any of that. I saw her getting a hard time because they thought that she was was cheating for Max to get a win. And if they're calling her out for that, I'm not denouncing that. I'm fine with it. Yeah, um, and I hate the fact that they're hiding behind the fact that she's a woman. Is that they, she can't take criticism? Yeah, I mean, she was okay. But Matt, on the on the other side of the spectrum, I'll say this: it is kind of uh, Toto and the Mercedes strategists are kind of getting off a little bit easily with this whole conspiracy because they still totally boggled at the end of the race and Lewis still could have won probably still wouldn't have but he still had a definitely had a decent chance to win if they just pitted him and put him on softs or put uh didn't bring George in and kept him between uh, Max and and Lewis 
So let's let's talk about that for a second too, because I agree this was a huge tor- turning point in the entire race. I want to say one more thing about the the Mercedes strategy wall and the Red Bull strategy wall in general. I think we've all said all year long that like having two teams that are calling strategies really well is what separates those two teams from Ferrari, right? Like Ferrari just cannot get the strategy right. I was incredibly impressed when the VSC did get deployed and for whatever reason, controversy, conspiracy, whatever, right? The VSC got deployed. Max came in for hard to get his free stop and he was going to be coming out behind Lewis Hamilton and chasing him down, right? He had a 10 second lead. He was going to come back out around 10 seconds behind Hamilton under the VSC, chasing them on the same tire compound. Um, Max on newer, fresher tires. Mercedes, without hesitation in missing a beat, pulled in Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, got a tire offset, putting them on mediums, chasing down Max on fresher hards. Like So they gave up that track position for newer, fresher tires to catch Max on faster tires. Like That was such an impressive, like, oh, you want to pit? You want to pit for uh, for hards and be on the same tire compound? We're going to pit for a faster tire and chase you down now. Like I was just impressed because it was such a quick decision that I, I don't think anyone in the color was even expecting because they're like, oh, Lewis Hamilton, he's going to go all the way on a one-stopper. Now Max is chasing him down on a two-stopper. Nope, we're going to pit him and then we're going to try and chase you down because we're going to catch you on faster tires. Like, Ferrari never would have thought that. Like, they never would have thought about doing no that. No chance. And they would have just retired the car. They probably would have bungled another pit stop like they did on Which Sunday. We'll talk about it in a second, but then, Sam, to your point. We're talking about Mercedes right now. Yeah, to your point, Sam, though, then towards the end of the race, Bottas has an actual safety car, and Max, again, no hesitation, goes in the pits, gets on soft tires. Even though he's leading the race, he comes out in P3 behind George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Now, there was a lot of laps to go. I think there was, like, 10, 12 laps maybe to go, something like that. Why did Mercedes let George Russell come in for softs and leave his teammate out to dry on medium tires that were aged? Because George called his own strategy. That doesn't matter. They still have to say no. No, you got to say no, stay out. I mean, you guys talked about earlier in this year how the Red Bull sabotaged Checo's race. I think Mercedes sabotaged Lewis's race. Uh, there's no question oh, about yeah. it. And let me just say this loud and clear. I do not blame George Russell at all for, for calling for softs and and calling his own shot there. I don't at all because yeah, he's he trying, to, the, he, he he's trying to win the race. In his mind, he still thinks there's a chance. So I'm fine with that. It's someone on the Mercedes pit wall has to say, no, stay out there. We, he, we, have, a, we have a chance at a win. You got to stay out there. He left his team out to, teammate out there to dry big time, and it wasn't even he close. didn't. He didn't. The Mercedes pit wall did. Well, I also want to point out though that uh, when Verstappen overtook Lewis, Lewis was in the wrong engine mode. He was. Uh, I think yep, he, I did hear that. He he like I forget which mode he switched to, but it wasn't like the full on race mode. Weird. There's a there's a there's also a theory going. did that. There's a theory going on that he did that on purpose to try to have Max blow past him before the overtake line on the the restart and try to get Max a penalty, which would have been super savvy if it worked. But Max is unbelievable and was literally behind it by an average. Then he would have heard something from the stewards. Yeah, I mean, that even be illegal. 
Here's a question. Why didn't Lewis, why did Lewis start when he started? Why didn't he just wait until like halfway down that straight and then go? Good question. I don't like, know. The Red Bull straight line speed is incredible. And he went right around that last turn. And that's when he took off and did his, his restart. And he flew all the way down. And I mean, the photo finishes of Max just being like barely behind when he crosses the line was incredibly timed. But I, I'm shocked at Lewis not Amazing. knowing like, why wouldn't I just start like right at the starting line? He knew he was dead in the water regardless. He did. He, did. Yeah. he knew that Max. I don't know, but you're right. But you're right. But let me kind of say this, like the, the reason that Red Bull is so good with their strategy isn't because they, they go out and do these like crazy, innovative, out of the box things. They do the most conservative, just smart by the book moves and strategies and just waits for the other teams to do something dumb and then they'll, they'll end up winning. And it's and that's not a knock on them at all. It's like it, it it's it works. It's unbelievable. And they're it just, decisive. They, yeah. they make the right call and they just they stick to their strategy. They don't go around like plan C and plan D and plan E. And what do you think about hard? They're just like, I think this is the first race I've heard all year where they asked Max his thoughts on tire compounds. Right, true. I agree with that. And he was just like, yeah, not great. And they're and then you know what they did? They still put him on the hard. And you know what Max said? He just trusted them. He was like, okay, like time to go on the hard tire and, and start racing. Like, but you're yeah, right. They don't do anything crazy. Easy. It's easy to trust a pit crew that never makes a mistake. I, when you have to deal with someone like Leclerc or Science and they have uh, the Ferrari pit crew, you definitely can understand where they're a little bit more apprehensive when it comes to decision making. Just last topic on, or last statement on uh, Red Bull and Max. This is I we have to be considering this the luckiest season that a championship driver is ever going to have for Max. I mean, he every every single race pretty much something is happening that's like gifting him wins. Don't get me wrong, I still think he deserves he's having a great season, but yeah, he's, he's, he's been well. gifted so many races. A lot of help. He's going to yeah, you know what the Ferrari idiocy. But I, let's not let's not also forget he had a DNF in Bahrain, very unlucky, should have finished P2. Let's not forget that he had an engine failure in Australia. Again, probably should have finished P2. He's, his DRS wasn't working in Spain. Got lucky that Chuck had a DNF. He got lucky in Baku that Chuck had a DNF. So, like, you're right. Like, Belgium, no luck. Like, he just was flying. Hungary. He certainly had luck. a good He certainly had a good year. I'm just saying. He's been yeah. gifted, like, a handful of wins. Yeah. So no, for Baku, sure. He would have easily won, even if Leclerc didn't have a DNF. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. He's had a lot of things go his way on in on the same vein. On the flip side of that coin, Sam Lewis has had such hard luck this year. Just can't catch a break. Time safety cars just at the wrong time for that guy. It's yeah. just been Jetta not coming in right at the the safety car right before they start they close the pit lane. Just like he's had a, a tough go of it, and you're right, he's had a Max has had a lot of things go his way. Um, but the thing, the, the point you're making on the strategy call, it's it's funny because like. I was watching when I was watching this past weekend, I was rewatching and I was thinking about how when signs went into the pits, um, he came back out, I think in a little bit of traffic and he just kind of like, well, he actually had a, this might've been a different race, but anyway, 
like Red Bull just waits for the guys behind them to pit. So that way when they come out, they're coming out in like fresh, clear air. Like I think Lando pitted and then I think another uh, midfield car pitted and then another midfield car pitted and then Red Bull said, you know what? Now we're going to send them out because all those guys are not going to, he's not going to fight through traffic. And like those subtle things, I think Ferrari just pits their guys into like an entire midfield of traffic. And speaking of the, the Ferrari pits, what the hell happened this weekend, guys? <laughs> Jesus what a God. joke. Where do what I start? What an absolute joke. <laughs> Four different times that signs had something go wrong. First, late call, three of the tires on there. Missing a fourth tire. Stefano, you you have to be rolling over in your grave. After the season Ferrari's having, I disagree. But you must be rolling over in your grave at what Ferrari is is putting out for a product this year. Yeah, I think the last time I I read up on this, the last time Ferrari had this issue where they forgot a tire was back when Eddie Irvine was racing for them. And for for reference, that was in like I think '98 or '99. I was five years old at the time. So that was even before I can remember watching Formula One races that Ferrari's been this bad. Um, I mean, I, I, I was watching and I was like, what the hell is going on? Why is this taking so long? And then the camera panned out and I was like, oh, they don't have a fucking tire. Even, it's comical. Even Carlos goes, oh my God. It was, oh my yeah. God. Like, you, he's like, you gotta be kidding me. I even Checo behind him was like, what the hell are these guys doing? I have to yeah. run over the, I have to run over their, their, their gun, their wheel gun. They left yeah, the wheel gun out. The track. They left the wheel gun out and Checo had to drive over the wheel gun. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and then you had the unsafe release again. That I can be a little bit more forgiving of because of the whole sort of situation with the safety car and whatnot. You know, they weren't still exactly- no one else does it. It's just always them. Yeah, it's always them. I know. It's, and it's finally, Mattia Bonato has finally said that there's something wrong that they need to address. Like, finally, he has said it. And Nico Rosberg had one of the more incredible comments to say this past week on the air. Did you hear that, Stefano? I, I heard it. I can't remember it word for word, but he, like, he roasted Bonato. He says, oh, my goodness. Matteo Bernal keeps saying, no, no, we don't need to make any changes. Everything is going well. He goes, I mean, when is the day coming? It's not possible. Even Formula 2 teams or Formula 3 teams do a better job at their strategy and pit stops than Ferrari. Yeah. That's how bad it was. He said Formula 2 and Formula 3 teams do a better job. I mean, Sam, we were saying this. Like, maybe Bonato needs to get F1 manager and start practicing a little bit. I think that's the only answer is to lock that guy in a room for 10 hours and say, all right, you can't come out until you can figure out how to just, like, properly manage a race. I mean, he can't do it. I would improve him, though, because he would, like, he would would manage a race, finish, like, P7 and think that that's a success. (laughs) I mean, these guys are racing on simulators every single week in preparation. Maybe he should be hitting a simulator with the F1 manager and making strategy calls. Matt, speaking of preparation in the simulator and everything, the pit crew simulates pit stops every race weekend, too. They practice this. I don't know how they, I don't know how they bungled it up twice in one race. It's, we need we need to get a camera on the the guy who forgot the tire. And like, what was he doing? 
They were um, all standing there looking at like three yeah, guys around the yeah. around the camera. Just like, like what the yeah, the other guys you're just like what wait, where is he? It was like that Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at one another and they're like, you, no, you, no, you. It, it was it was yeah, it's, comical. It's back, it's back to your point about Red Bull being very like um oh, what's the right word? Consistent. Consistent. They they think through. They analyze. Decisive. They pit stops. They're prepared. Yeah, they're, they're prepared. They, they they pick their pit stop window based on prepared data and analysis. Ferrari picks their pit window randomly. It seems. No, I, I agree think, with you, Stefan. I think I think they call for a pit stop, and their pit crew wasn't ready because they called it super super late. I mean, granted, it's no excuse. They should be ready at all times. You know, right before they make their last pit stop. Um, but. You know the the strategist definitely left the pit crew out to dry on that one. It's honestly, it's it's comical. Like, and here's the thing: anymore. they're we're they're going and expecting this now. They're going to their home race this upcoming Ferrari going to Monza, and you know what they're deciding to do here, Stefano? Are you talking about the livery change? Yep. Yeah, they're going to go with yellow jumpsuits. Ferrari, yeah. the cherry red, the most iconic color of a car brand probably ever i would say that cherry red and they're gonna put their drivers in the home race in a yellow jumpsuit yeah <laughs> what are we talking about I'm, I'm not gonna lie i actually like it i wish the car was gonna be yellow too no it's gotta be red it's incredible it's and honestly incredible. it's gotta be red get rid of the black accents get rid of the yellow accents bring back the style of like the F 2004 or even like the, the, the cars that they with the liveries they ran with the V eights. That was back when Ferrari was a proper team. I mean, granted back when like, uh, Fernando Alonso and, and, and Kimi Raikkonen were racing for them, you know, they definitely had their strategic blunders and they made mistakes too, but not anywhere near to the level that they're doing right now. And I think it's all because they don't know how to paint a car anymore. I mean, guys, I said this a long time ago, or a long time ago, a couple of weeks back. I said I thought that Mercedes was going to catch Ferrari and the constructors, and I think we're like pretty it. close. It's a foregone yeah. conclusion. It's they're only thirty points back. Matt, I think we also are neglecting one other thing because Leclerc had a pretty quiet race. You know, by his standards, there was no crashes, there was no strategic blunders on his end. But what, what was worrying for me watching the race and for the past couple of races actually was Ferrari kind of lacking race pace com- as, as compared to the, uh, prior to the summer break. And that might have something to do with the technical directive, you know, with the change in floors and whatnot. Uh, but it definitely is a worrying trend that they're going to have to address sooner rather than later. If they're going to just, you know, win one more race this year, they were, they were clearly the third fastest car. Yeah. Mercedes was way faster than them. Yeah. It wasn't even close. So yeah, yeah. they're, they're in some serious trouble. Yeah. It's um, it's not, it's not good, right? It's not good it's if you're Ferrari. Farcical. It's farcical, is what it is. Sam, I, I feel terrible because I was so excited that your preseason bet for Ferrari to win the constructors was gonna it was gonna hit in strides, and yeah. it's just it's been dead meat for a while. Like, yep, that can just burn that money. It's that's a loss. It's too bad because it was looking like they played themselves right out of it too you know like they they played themselves completely out of this constructors championship 
Yeah, I mean, they played themselves completely out of the Constructors' Championships um, and even the Drivers' Championship. And now Chuck Leclerc is in a battle for second place. Sam Stefano, like, it's Chuck and Sergio Perez tied. Well, technically, Chuck is ahead because he's won more races by the tie-breaking rule. But they both have the same number of points. George Russell is 13 points behind them. Carlos Sainz is 13 points behind him. There's a 26-point differential between second place and fifth place right now in the drivers. Uh, yeah, if, if Max didn't exist, like if he just wasn't a real like person and did, like wasn't part of this race, then it would be an incredible race for the drivers' championship right now. Um, like I wouldn't even count out Lewis Hamilton at this point with how the Mercedes is looking over the Red Bull car right now. So, I mean, excuse me, the Ferrari car right now. So I, I really wonder how the races would have played out over the pat over this past season. If Max Verstappen wasn't there, like, I really wonder who would have won. I mean, granted, there are a couple obvious ones like uh, Monaco and Spain, where I think Chuck would have won, but the rest I think are up for upper grabs. Let me ask you guys a question. What percentage of you think this season is, the RB18 versus Max Verstappen, like the 310 points. Like, do you think that everyone else on the grid with that car, like if Max Verstappen's in the same Ferrari as Chuck Leclerc, is he still winning this driver's championship? And like, no, well, not take away the strategy. Oh, to take away the strategy. I'll then, put yeah. it, Matt, I'll put it this way. If Chuck Leclerc was, if they traded cars and Chuck Leclerc was in that Red Bull, and Max Verstappen was in his Ferrari. I think Chuck Leclerc is winning the driver's championship by three hundred and nine points. By one hundred nine points. By, no, not by that many points, but I still think he's winning. Hmm. I'm yeah. going with Max. I'm going with Max on that one. I still think in, it's that, Max. in that Ferrari with, yeah. like, with Ferrari strategists. Yeah. Well, no, oh, we Matt, said Matt take, take strategy oh, away. Oh, take oh. strategy away. Yeah, it's, I still. Too. I don't know. It's close. It's a close call, right? But, but yeah. that's crazy to think about. How crazy is that to think that? I, I think, mean. I think the margin would be less than one race wins points spread between them if they switch cars. Yeah. I mean, I just an interesting thought. I mean, it's yeah. Um, but so yeah, really tight race for second. I mean, this thing's still not over. Red Bull could, you know, like you said, Sam actually get like hit by a bus or the car could have four DNFs in a row and Chuck could win four races in a row. And next thing you know, like drivers is back up for grabs. Um, so it's not over yet by a long shot, but it's each race that goes by where Red Bull doesn't have a DNF and is on the podium. It's, it's looking like it's, it's closer and closer to being in the bag. Um, but I mean, guys, we got Monza coming up and I'm super excited for this. And Stefano, as always with our newest segment for the track previews, love to hear from Stefano, Steph Sedano on what his, I think this is your favorite track, right? It is, yeah. It's your favorite track. So you got a little extra in the tank for this one. So oh, why don't you give the fans what they've been waiting for all week, and that's the, the Steph track preview. Hell yeah, because we're on to round three of our triple header resumption of the season following the summer break. Spa and Zandvoort down, and now we are on to the tastiest of the three, Monza, the Temple of Speed, a 5.7-kilometer ribbon of hallowed tarmac interspersed with 11 thrilling and famous turns, including the first chicane, Alante del Retifilo, Lesmo, and the wonderful Parabolica. It is a circuit where speed is key, and the quick will thrive, whilst the weak will fail miserably. 
Regardless of the outcome, one ever-present fixture is the hordes of Tifosi, who provide the most amazing of Formula One set pieces every year. The drivers themselves will also be out in force, as Max Verstappen looks to make it three wins out of three from the triple header, as he dominated Spa and Zandvoort, where nobody was able to pass the duchy on the left-hand side. Ferrari need a win, and are desperate to get it here, of all places, while Mercedes are, as always, in the pitcher hoping to pounce. It should prove to be a cracking weekend. So put on your most stylish suit, get your pasta and espressos ready, because this is the Italian Grand Prix. Hell yeah, brother. Fire it right up. Fire, Fire it up, right up. Guys, this is going to be an awesome race. Let's not forget, this is the race last year where we saw Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton head into turn one and go right on top of each other. And for those familiar with that race, that's what you get when you don't leave the space and took themselves both out of the race. And Danny Ricardo went on to win McLaren's only win in I don't know how long. Six Since years? Since Jensen Button. Since Jensen Button. However, nice teammate Landon Norris letting him win because he 100% should have caught, would have caught, and would have taken that away from Danny Ricardo. But he knew how important that was for Danny Ricardo's psyche. And guess what? It did nothing. Hasn't done anything. Danny Ricardo is not even driving for McLaren next year. It's going to be Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri side by side. And you got to be wondering if Lando Norris is a little bit regretting letting his teammate take that win. That should be his win. Lando still doesn't have his first win. Sam, what do you think? You're a big Lando guy. Do you think he should have let Danny Ricardo win that race last year? No, absolutely not. It was just like a wasted win. Ricardo's career is coming to a close, it seems. He'll probably never touch a, a finish line first ever again. Um, and Lando should have one under his belt. And it looks like Lando's going to have to wait a while to get a win too. So I'm sure if you were to ask him right now, he's probably kicking himself and – he probably wants that one back. I don't blame him. And he should have it back, you know? Agreed. Do you think we're going to see any crashes this weekend, Stefano? Yeah, the first chicane. Between who? Oh, probably somebody in the midfield. Yeah. Um, I was thinking like Fernando Alonso and Sebastian uh, Vettel. I'm thinking Pierre Gasly. I'm thinking Pierre Gasly causes a crash this weekend. Ooh, interesting. As he's fighting for a contract spot at Alpine. Maybe Yuki. Maybe the pressure gets to him. Maybe Yuki takes him out in spite that he's leaving his side. Maybe. Maybe he. Uh, his bedside. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. But I can definitely see some first turn crashes. There's usually always a crash first turn, as evidenced by last year. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't give the space. Uh, long. It's an, a very historic track. I think this is going to mark the 100 year anniversary of that thing being around. Yeah. Um, it's existed in several formats. At, at one point, it was uh, like an oval with like a very highly banked oval. And obviously, like, you know, that can't survive into the modern era. Um, so, you know, there's been several variations of the track. Um, we've even seen like the the runoff areas adjusted too, because Parabolic used to have the, the giant gravel trap. And I think that's now just paved tarmac. So definite changes to the, to the, to the circuit, but it's still, as always, the Temple of Speed. And two DRS zones. Sam, one of your favorite parts of the entire grid is the DRS zones. we got two of them. They're long. They're going to be fast. We're going to see some really high speeds. Small rear wings. But that means we're just going to be able to open up those flaps. What do you think about that, Sam? 
Oh yeah, DRS kicks ass, so I'm excited to see those really fast straights. Um, unfortunately, probably going to play right, right into Red Bull's hands. Um, but yeah, DRS it really does kick ass, and it's very powerful on this track, so I, I do love that. And Stefano, is this not the circuit where Nikki Lauda suffered that massive, massive fire explosion crash back in the day? No, that was uh, the Nurburgring. Oh, the, the yeah. green no, hell. This this track took the life of, I believe, Ronnie Peterson. I think that same year, the year after, maybe it was even seventy eight. I don't remember. Ronnie, but man, yeah, Ronnie. It's the, the super Swede. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely taken taken the lives of a few over the years. Yeah, uh, Ronnie I, Peterson. I think it also killed Jochen Mass or Jochen Rint. Jochen Rint, nineteen seventy. Yeah, There's a lot he, of deaths here, by the way. Yeah, Yarno yeah. was killed here. Jochen Rins famously peace. won that 1970 uh, World Championship posthumously. Posthumously, yeah. yeah. No, it's um, it's a quick circuit, 11, cir- 11 turns. It's going to be one of the shortest ones on the circuit this year, right? I mean, Stefano, it's not a long, not notoriously a long circuit. Uh, no, it's not like that that long. Uh, as far as turns go, I think it's got the fewest turns. Yeah. Um. But, you know, they don't call it the Temple of Speed for nothing. They uh, certainly don't. Definitely a very, very, very fast track that I think everybody at this point thinks will will play right into Red Bull's hands. Yeah, no, I agree. So speaking of playing into somebody's hands, guys, let's dive right into predictions for those listening in for the first time. A, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. You should be listening every single week. This should be not a new segment for you. Um, but if you are new to listen in this week, we always do going into race weekends. Our predictions, we do it before practice. Anyone can do it after practice. When you see the cars and the data on track, we're the only podcast that does it before practice. And we do poll as well as podium. And Stefano, the tech expert, Steph Sedano, is the only one who gives us his top five qualifying on the grid and top five finishing in the race week. Let's start, though, with Sam Dear Russell with your predictions for Monza this weekend. Uh, so I just, for, in terms of qualifying, I cannot see Max not uh, qualifying on pole. So that's going to be my pick. Um, in terms of the race, you know, I think that Lewis Hamilton gets his maiden victory of 2022. Uh, I, I think he's going to get one this year. I think he's hungry. He's come close a couple times. No closer than this past weekend. He he had it in his hands. Um, so I have him winning this weekend. But again, for him to win, uh, something wacky has to happen to Max. So I don't think we see Max on podium this weekend. I'm thinking maybe we see a collision in turn one and Max uh, crashes out. Um, So I think we see a Chuck second, George Russell third to round out the podium. Nice. I think that's your third straight prediction where you think Max is going to get into some type of crash. It's going to happen eventually, so I'll probably just keep predicting it until it does, and then I'll say I'm a genius when it does happen. Yep, that sounds about right, and that makes a lot of sense, and I don't blame you for that one bit. Okay, so you've got Lewis, Chuck, and George Russell on the podiums and on the top Correct. steps with Max Verstappen taking pole position in the Italian Grand Prix. Correct. Stefano, can you match Sam's prediction this weekend? I'll do him one better. Probably not, actually. It's going to be the homer take. Max takes pole. Uh, Chuck, P2. Uh, I'm going with George Russell, P3. Sergio Perez, P4. And Lewis Hamilton, P5 for qualifying. And then for the race, 
I'm going Sergio Perez, P5. Chuck Leclerc, P4. Max Verstappen, P3. George Russell, P2. And then I'm throwing in a kind of a monkey wrench here. Nicholas Latifi. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fernando Alonso. I love that pick. I love it. Wow. Alonso wins the race. I love it. Just really, really cool just prediction. Fuck you to all the Alpine higher-ups that wouldn't give him his multi-year deal. He's That's a bold prediction, and man, I love the hell out of it. I love the hell out of seeing Fernando Alonso. Yeah, well, I love, that top I, love, I love Formula One, and I love Fernando Alonso, so he's going to win that race. Hell love yeah, that. brother. Hell yeah, man. Um, I'm with the both of you. I think Max Verstappen takes pole position. I think that that is pretty clear. This is a this is basically a no downforce circuit, and it's a high speed circuit. And we've clearly seen on tracks like that, like Spa, where you don't really need a whole lot of downforce. That like Red Bull is going to have that straight line speed. I think you're going to have also. I'm going to go one more. I'm going to say Checo Perez takes second, and it's a front row lockout for Red Bull this weekend. Um, and then for the race, I think it's going to be a Red Bull 1-2. A homer take, it's just I'm going straight out of the gun, and I'm like, I just don't see anything else happening. It's it's their, This should be their weekend on paper, like how we said other tracks were like, should be Ferrari at Spain, all that stuff. Like This should be their, their weekend, which if you guys have been following along, usually when I predict a Red Bull 1-2, something happens to one of the cars, and you guys end up being right. So maybe like this is reverse psychology for you guys. Um, I don't think Mercedes sniffs a podium. I think that this is just like, I think their car is so variable track to track that like with high downforce circuits, they, they do incredibly well and low downforce circuits. They don't do very well. Like, I just think their car is like one week it's on and one week it's off and one week it's on and one week it's off. And I think it's, I really think yeah. it has to do with like the cornering speeds, like Hungary, they were quick. There was a lot of high speed corners in Hungary, Belgium. They were slow by two seconds. Zandvoort, they were quick. There's a lot of high speed corners at Zandvoort. I think this weekend it's just going to be, they're going to be slow again. And I don't think that that means their car is that bad. I just think it's like that certain circuits, they just haven't unlocked how to set up the car to get maximum straight line speed. It's um, the one where they have to run the rake a little higher that that car just suffers so much. I That's why I think that they're just not going to be like fighting this weekend. But like to Sam's point, like I think Lou and I think Lewis is going to win a race this year for sure. And I think George Russell will probably win a race this year for sure. I just don't think it's going to be at Monza. I think, and I think you're going to see Carlos Sainz like round out the podium. He's, outperformed his teammate, I think, in a lot of the past few races. He didn't this past week, and he, he had that rough pit stop. But I think before that, he had finished ahead of Chuck every single race since Austria. Um, and even before that, I think he did it at Silverstone. I think he had, like, finished ahead of him for a long time. And then I think you're going to see um, probably Chuck Leclerc in fourth. Yeah, I like the Alpine call. I think Alpine – I think they, they benefit from circuits like this. I could see – George Russell and Lewis being like P6, P7 this weekend. Again, nothing against wow. them. They're going to do – that's just – it's the track. It's just I, – I don't see them. That would make for a super boring race if Mercedes is 6-7 and I know, Red Bull sucks. goes 1-2. I really hope that doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen either because it was going to be a boring race. You know I think is going to have a good race, and this is purely based on their straight line performance? Alex Albon. Yeah, I can see that. Williams Actually. has done a good job winning the development race this year. Yeah, they, I think they've been consistently better than Haas. Well, that's not hard because Haas already has their eyes on 2023. Clown show. Get I mean, Haas out of F1 and bring Andretti in. 
I mean, guys, at the beginning of the year, we thought Haas was going to be the real deal, and now they're already saying they're on to 2023 with bringing zero upgrades. Clown show. Yeah, I don't know what Gene Haas is doing. Like, he says he's pouring money into the team, but clearly not. They haven't brought any upgrades this season. I don't know what the heck is going on. Like, it's it's really weird, but why? What has that team done for the sport that Andretti Racing wouldn't? Nothing. They've just kept an American team down when and there should be an American team that's thriving. And you know what's going to happen, too? They're not going to let Colton Herta get a super license. No, gonna- I, I think they are. I think, th- I think they're going to they're gonna bend the knee on that one. He should get one. He absolutely should. He's dominating IndyCar. He totally should. That the super license, like IndyCar almost doesn't factor into super license points at all. Yeah, it's but stupid. the only reason super license exists is so that people couldn't just buy their way into F1 and you actually had to prove it. But like, he's literally a dominant IndyCar racer and he's only 40 points away, which is like one season. And he said it was because of COVID. Like that guy deserves a super license. And yeah. which, by the way, we didn't even talk about it. That would give Sam's prediction some light that Gasly ends up at Alpine, which and, to me. And, and Ricardo at Haas. <laughs> I think so. I think we're going to get Ricardo at Haas. I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, Kevin Magnussen, your boy, Stefano, he did not look good this past weekend. Double oversteer and just hit the barrier on lap two. Um, Magnussen sucks. Magnussen sucks. I'm so sick of Magnussen. And I'm so sick of Schumacher, too. But you know what? I'd rather have Schumacher in that other seat next to Ricardo next year than Magnussen. What are we doing with Magnussen? That guy's lost out there. Talk about marketing, too, between Mick Schumacher and Danny Ricardo, like the son of the greatest of all time and the guy who has smiled through worse situations than anyone ever could. I mean, America's favorite, America's sweetheart. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really want to see Colton Herta in Formula One. I really want to see him as part of the Red Bull family. I would love to see him work his way up. I'd love to see them give Checo one more year and then have Colton Herta behind Max Verstappen at Team Red Bull by 2024. I don't want the one American in F Formula One to be behind a Red Bull car. I really well, don't. he's about to. That's what is about um, to happen. Red Bull car in family and spirit as the AlphaTauri. I do just I do want him in Formula One though. So if it has to be in a Red Bull owned car, then I'm okay with it. But I just I wish it was anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, but you know, what better what better what team family? He's opening up too. I don't Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah. 2023 is not getting renewed 2023 oh is it it's i thought it was uh expiring at the end of this year i'm pretty sure it's 2023 uh-huh. i think he's locked up for one more year i think him and gasly are locked up through 2023 but um guys yeah super excited i mean this is the last race until we have a two-week break and then i think we go which one is it stefano is it singapore and japan i believe it's singapore i don't know so a no. double header when we come back. So we got two weeks off, then we got a double header. One of them is our co-host's wedding Singapore weekend. Singapore than Japan. Yep. Yeah, Singapore than Japan. Singapore, Japan. Then we got the North American, South American tour where we go Coda, Interlagos, Mexico City, and then we end up back at Abu Dhabi, which at the rate things are going, this is going to be wrapped up well before Abu Dhabi this year. Probably for the best. Be a formality. Probably for the best, considering what happened last year. But yeah. Max won't so, even have to turn up to Abu Dhabi. Last question. Does Max Verstappen match the Vettel and Schumacher record this year? What's that? What, 13 what race record? wins in a season. How many does he have right now? 10. I think he's 
standing more of a chance of the 13 race wins in a single season than the other Vettel record of nine race wins in a row. Yeah, he's not winning nine in a row. Um, I think he's probably going to win 13 on the dot, but he very well could win over 13. Yeah, I mean, because he did no, 10. 10. So if you assume he wins at Monza because of the track that should suit Red Bull, he has to pick one up in Interlagos, Mexico City, Abu Dhabi, Coda, Singapore, Japan. He's winning. Yeah. Mexico City is definitely winning. Sam, final thoughts coming out of uh, Dutch Grand Prix heading into Monza. I really hope we see something fun this weekend where a Red Bull doesn't win. That That's my final thought. I don't know what it's going to be, but just give me something cool where someone other than Max ends up on that top step. Love it. I agree. I'd love to see a little bit of parody in the sport finally. And even though I'm a team Red Bull fan, I'd like to see some action and some excitement, um, see some overtaking on track. Can, can we also finally get like Max versus Lewis on track? I feel like every time they come close, they pit one of the others and they just don't even let the two fight. Yeah, we almost, we almost got it. We haven't seen anything between Max and Lewis or Max and Charles. We saw one thing between Max and Lewis. It was like a long time back. And it was like an overtake on like lap like seven. Um, what race? I don't even remember. There was one race where Max had to, I think like Lewis came out of the pit lane and Max like. Spain? Could have been Spain. I think oh, it might have been Spain. Spain. Yeah. Yeah, we're just over overtake George Russell, but yeah, I, we need to see something happen on track. It can't like, I, but I love the strategy stuff. Like, I love like pitting and undercutting and all that stuff. But like, we need to see something on track. But Stefano, final thoughts: Dutch Grand Prix, Monza preview. Well, I can tell you one thing: I'm looking forward massively to Monza. The pageantry, the spectacle is just second to none. Tifosi, uh, oh, the Tifosi is what may, are, are what makes it. Um, as far as the Netherlands, I mean, another foregone conclusion there, not much to say, but I will say David Croft did have a cracker of a line when, uh, he was describing Sergio Perez trying to fight off Lewis Hamilton. Sign us off with that cracking line, Stefano. Well, Matt, I'm glad you say that because it's a return of Crofty's quote of the day. And that was when he said, remember Abu Dhabi, Perez had to fight like an animal to keep Hamilton away. Today, he'll have to fight like the entire zoo. And you know what his co-host said? Not a penguin. Penguins don't fight much. Hell yeah. Fire Hell it yeah, up. brother. Fire Fire it up. Also, one more shout out to B-Man for the music. Which oh, yeah. ass. Ass. The artist known as B-Man. The artist known as the B-Man. Hell yeah, uh, brother. He went into the lab. He came back with a kick-ass of a beat. And for those of you, for the first time listening, we are going to sign off with that. Love you guys. Love oh, you, yeah, brother. Fired up. Brother.